best team in the league for the last two months by a mile, and, and not just winning, but you know, uh, they've been winning, been winning different ways, but the consistent thing is they've been dominant in doing so. It did feel a bit of a, like a playoff game. It was so loud in there. Um, kind of had a couple. Uh, There's a little bit of a reminder of kind of what playoffs was like last year. So uh, it definitely makes it a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we were able to beat uh, beat Toronto and uh, beat the Toronto fans out there. <laughs> fan morning show, Sports at five nine in the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Edmonton Oilers win their Stanley Cup. He had to stop himself from saying my Leafs. It's like, it's always nice to beat my Leafs. Uh, I'm so mad that they hired the agent as the Prez. Because, like, I had been, you know, not like I was, you know, first to that thought. But I'd early and often bring it up. And then they hired his agent as the Prez. Hard to dream yeah. of him coming here now. I was talking about Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah. yeah the guy who spoke and tortured us. No, that was, that, that was uh, Stuart Skinner. Oh, that was Stuart Skinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. There you go. Uh, Learn something new every day. But yeah, no, uh, Connor McDavid also enjoying the. He would have said my Leafs. His childhood favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, new market zone, mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. Um, but yeah, they, they win 4 2, their 11th consecutive franchise record over the Leafs yesterday in Edmonton. Nine consecutive games in which they've allowed two or fewer goals. Hmm. That works. It does. Okay, we've seen that. From the Leafs, I've heard this. I've heard of this. I've heard this tale before. We saw it during your favorite season, the pandemic North Division. Like that was that was the calling card for that team. They just don't allow anybody to score. No, it doesn't matter who's in goal. And as everybody said, watching that game last night, that that's no fun. Who would want to watch that every Mm. single night? Uh, We saw it last season, even with the depleted blue line as well. We have not seen it this year. And there are mitigating circumstances. Again, you can look at the the personnel they have on the blue line. You can also look at the the personnel that they brought in the forward ranks, right? Like for sure, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. The, these are not guys that are in the Selkie conversation no. year over year over year. To that point, though, if those are the guys you're bringing in, and like John Klingberg, you know, before yep. his devastating injury that put him on the shelf for the rest of the season. The best version of John Klingberg ain't ain't a great defender either. He's putting the puck in the opposition's net or attempting to to pass his way into somebody else doing that. Those are offensively tilted players mm-hmm. that the Leafs and Brad Living went out and specifically targeted. If you're gonna do that, yep. you gotta score some goals. <laughs> yes, right? Like you, you have you to do. you have to convert on your opportunities, of which the Leafs had many yesterday, number of posts. A number of great stay, saves from Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the Leafs are leaning enough into that identity. If that's what the general manager is telling us implicitly with the moves, the, the personnel moves that he made this offseason, like, does Sheldon Keefe, does he have a different memo? Obviously, he would prefer to play a more defensively responsible game. Yep. He's capable of coaching them up. Yep. But with this group, I don't know. I think the best teams are teams that have the personnel to play firewagon offensive hockey, but have the personality and the structure to play lockdown defensive hockey. That's what we've seen from this Leafs team at its best iterations that, yeah, they still have the personnel that they could go put together two top six lines that if you want to go up and down and run rough shot over the competition, that yes, that is a possibility, but they also have those guys coached and structured in a way 
that they are responsible that they don't do that. You know, Max Domi is the guy. I feel like for a lot of people, he is the poster child of what they were trying to do with the bottom six. But do we think of last year's Dallas Stars team as some defensively porous group that just a lot? No, we think of them as a team with a really good goalie and yeah. pretty stout. Well, but they're all. But they're all. We also think of them as a. And maybe this is just me. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think of them as one of those. Heavy, stout Western Conference teams that, yeah, they're going to push, but they're mm. not going to give up things all night long either. And guess what? Max Domi was a key cog. They didn't just have him on the team. They mm. went out and acquired him to be on that team. So, I, you know, you look at Tyler Bertuzzi. The Bruins go out and get him. He's the only guy who performs for them in that first-round series. And I don't think we look at Boston as a group that, ah, they just want to skate all over the place. I mean, that play. series, that's what it was. It that, was a lot of lot of goals scored both ways between them and the up, Panthers. That was what it ended up being. But nobody thinks the Bruins went and acquired Tyler Bertuzzi to go play wide-open 7-6 no. hockey. So those are both guys who obviously can fit in personnels of another group. So that's what I keep going back to is that you want your team to have the skill, to have the ability mm. to play offensive hockey. And that is where, that is where your coaching comes into play. And that is where the buy-in of your stars comes into play. It should be said that this team did exactly that last season. Yeah. Last season, they had the high end offensive skill to put the puck in the back of the net, mm-hmm. but they could log it down. They could play some two, one, yep. three, two hockey games. It was a better uh, team last year. Yeah, it's not as good this year. Uh, they also got the high-end goaltending last year of an Ilya Samsonov near like 920 save percentage mm-hmm. and one of the league leaders in high-danger save percentages. So you know, the conversation around goaltending in yeah. these parts with this city is this, they just need average goaltending to be yep. to be good. To Gee, be, does this sound like another Canadian team from earlier this year? Um, I don't know if that's the case, though. Like, this team needs better than average goaltending if they're going to... If if they're going to not be as stout defensively as they were a season ago. So what are we, and again, like, I don't even know that I have the answer here, but I'm going to pose it to you. What are we talking about, about being more stout defensively? This is what we talked about with Gazdick yesterday. Does anyone in this market, let's just do the trade right now. Mm. TJ Brody for Cody CC. You feel better about no. the Leafs top pair? Because Cody CC's there or a Vincent DeArnay is poking around in the bottom six. Or a, or a guy in Darnell Nurse who, if he was in this market, it would be that anchor Darnell Nurse would mm-hmm. be his official right. title. Like that is the thing that I don't look at it as by no means uh, go back and listen to any commentary I've had about this team this season. Do I think this is some perfectly built killing hockey machine? I also think it is a group that should be more than capable well, of playing better than this. If if you were going to to make the argument against Sheldon Keefe and perhaps a tuning out of the message, it would be like this was a guy that was able to coach him up with with some like not a bunch of Norris Trophy winners on the back end last year, but they he was able to turn that team into a team that barely allowed goals right for a month span without yep. their best defenseman. Mm-hmm. And Ilya Samson was playing a lot better, but he wasn't asked to do a ton. That was part of the reason why he had the season that he had, obviously, yep. right? Like, when he was asked to make saves, he made saves. And again, I mentioned the high danger save percentage was super, super high. But this is not a guy that was facing 40 shots a game. That message, which I imagine hasn't changed that much year over year, it's not, it's not producing the same results this year. Well, I also just look at the, you know, it's... It's definitely not producing the same results, but I also think you look at the blue line and we talked a lot about the forward group. I think when you look at the blue line, you know, Benoit for how much we like him, he's playing top four minutes and not like in a pinch. He's just in the top four of, of this team now. And part of that has been a guy playing above what we expected of him. Part of that has been the complete inability for anybody 
else to kind of grab a job back there. That's the thing I, I look at with this team is that I think the other thing that's happened a lot this year and we do the, is this team better than last year or, or vice versa? It's just a diminished version of TJ Brody than what you've got in the first four years of him as a leaf. We saw a little bit of it towards the tail end last year. There were some rough, rough moments in the playoffs. And I think people were hoping, ah, maybe he's a little banged up. Ah, maybe the summer gets fresh. And, you know, it's not like TJ Brody is dreadful every night and he's the reason they lose, but he went from being the most steady defensive partner, the guy who you could put with anybody to prop them up to Mm -hmm. that's far from the case now. And just removing that guy, the security blanket for everybody back there on the blue line, there isn't that guy now. God love Morgan Riley. He's playing as good hockey as we've seen Mm -hmm. from him you know, I'm, I'm not going to say going back to the 20 goal leaf season, but this is as nice a stretch of Leafs hockey in the regular season as we've seen from Mo. He is still not the guy you say, oh, just put Riley with them and that'll settle things down. That'll quiet that pair down. No, that's not what you want Riley to do. You want the other guy to be the quieting force and they just don't have that player right now. So I keep going back to it is that I don't think one defenseman trade changes the world. But I also don't think it has to be your prototypical get a top pair guy in here to reset everything. I really do think just one more warm, capable, you know, second pair body. It's amazing what that could do to kind of rejig things on the blue line. I, I, I am a big, big believer in that. And that's why I keep coming back to the trade that I think has to be made. Yeah. I mean, that stud top pairing defenseman doesn't exist. Yeah, but I'm not asking for a stud top. I, I'm not asking for no, a stud top I mean. pairing that, guy. That, it doesn't. I understand that. I'd and like to that see that guy doesn't exist anyways. So. I'd like to see Ilya Labushkin. Like yeah. you'd like to go a little better than that. I think a lot of people would say that I'd like to see that. And I know the Yotes are in just as mm. precarious. I, I think they've dropped off a bit. So they're outside looking in now. That's the guy I'm talking about. You know, Tanev his name's been bandied about Lee's been attached to him forever. We all like that, that player, but I also don't think anybody sits there and goes, ah, mm. your top pair guys. He a shut down pair guy. Sure. I, I suppose mean, we wouldn't have said things. that about Luke Shen last year either. Look how important he was. Right. Uh, okay. So I, I want to, I'm, I'm, I want to compare and contrast. It's not everything. And I know this is, mm. people are going to laugh at like, oh, as parsing words in post game media availabilities for this Leafs team. And, and I look at the Toronto media market, what they do, to poor Mitch Marner, who's just putting his his heart on his sleeve. He's being honest. So poor Mitch Marner. <laughs> you thought I was just gonna sit there and let that go. All right. Least have lost, our brains. The, the Leafs have lost four consecutive. They've blown leads in all of those. And three of the four, it's been multi-goal leads, and they've blown a bunch of third-period leads as well. Here is again Mitch Marner from yesterday, post-game asked about what's going on right now. What gives you encouragement that you guys can get back on the right track here after four losses? Because we're a great hockey team. And we got to ignore what everyone else says. We know we're a great hockey team. We show it every night. I mean, this last four games that we've had leads, we've played some awesome hockey, some great hockey. You know, like I just said, stuff goes your way sometimes, stuff doesn't. So for us, we just can't get frustrated at each other. We know we're doing the right things. We're talking a lot, um, communicating well on the ice, off the ice, and it's going to come. So stay patient with it. Don't let anything outside of us frustrate us or get us you know angry like just got to do what we do do you feel frustration seeping in no but i think you know a lot of people on the outside are trying to do that so that's how it goes um for us you know we know we're doing right things and um you know again tonight we did a lot of right things did a lot of good things um that's why it sucks when it slips away like this all right so let's let's take that let's remember that and let's compare it to Connor mcdavid so mean of us to do that to him yeah we put the shambles in his brain 
let's compare it to Connor McDavid. This is after game 10 this season, November 4th. It was a 5-2 home loss to the Nashville Predators. Second loss in a four-game losing streak. They were 2-7-1 at that point on the verge of Jay Woodcroft losing his job. Here is here is Connor McDavid um, after a yet another loss and understanding that, yeah, there were mitigating factors there, most specifically Jack Campbell being unable to stop a beach ball. Is that the frustrating part, Connor, is that you see what the issues are and you're just trying to resolve them? Or what's the most frustrating part right now? Yeah, it's just death by a thousand cuts. You know, like that's what it feels like. It's just... You know, like one one mistake and it costs us another little mistake, and you know, kind of just snowballs. And like I said, it's tough to it's tough to chase games. It seems like uh, I mean, this team often plays with a lot of offensive mojo, but there hasn't been a lot of that. And then you're giving up quite a bit at the other end. Is it just feel like it's both ends or struggles right now? Yeah, struggles all over the rink. Um, that's what you get when you're two seven and one. There's going to be struggles uh, all over the ice. You know, this, these next 10 games are, are big for our group. I know you put a lot of pressure on yourself, Connor, but it's been a few games since you've produced some, you know, some goals and some offense. What are you feeling in your own game right now? Um, certainly could be better, not at the level that uh, I expect myself to be at. Okay, so the situations were, uh, it's it's not a fair comparison, right? Because this was an Oilers team that at that point was the worst team in hockey. They would mm-hmm. go on to lose to the San Jose Sharks, and they yep. would go through a coaching change, not because, hey, they need to spark their team going into the postseason, and maybe there's not an option there on the trade market. Sure. It was like, oh, we got to salvage missing the playoffs, potentially, mm-hmm. in one of the years that we have Connor McDavid. So not apples to apples, but there were also mitigating circumstances. Like I said, that, that Oilers team couldn't buy a save, mm-hmm. right? And Connor McDavid was going through a fallow period offensively. He was also going through Hurt. some injury issues at the time. Yeah, that didn't seem like a guy that was talking about how everything's going to naturally turn itself around. Mm-hmm. Talked to him. It sounded like a guy who was like, this is garbage and we need to be better. Yeah, I mean, and to your point, it's not apples to apples, but I think people just would like to hear that and not from John Tavares. For I'm sorry, for whatever reason, it does not count when when he says it. Maybe it's just because he's the perfect talkie robot or whatever it is, but I think that people want to hear something along the lines of that. I go back to the Devon Taves of just not not tiptoeing around it, saying there are guys in this room who think they're playing well and they're not. Mm imagine and again like i'm not blind to the realities of what that quote is there versus what that quote would be here but god wouldn't that be i mean we just turn it into its infighting and obviously keith has to go because he can't keep the room together like again i understand the machinations Mm. of this being in toronto but i would love to hear that Connor mcdavid i suppose you could pick and say we make one mistake it ends up in the back of the net but that didn't sound like a guy who talked about this as though it was happening to him Mm -hmm. he also sounded completely shell-shocked, beaten Mm -hmm. down. And, you know, part of this is, do you want guys to be performative? No, you don't. But I don't think that's performative from Connor McDavid. I think it eats them up alive. And do I think Mitch Marner is thrilled to have lost the game last night? No, far from it. But just go play those clips. One of those was, I actually think, an off day after practice from Mm -hmm. McDavid. I don't even think that was in the complete aftermath of a game versus Marner moments after blowing the, what, fourth, fifth straight lead in a row now, you would just like to hear a player taking it as hard as McDavid did. And maybe that's unfair. Maybe you're mm. asking them to put on a show. Then do it for me, please. Yeah. Honest- or or just go win games and we don't have to talk about this. <laughs> Honestly? Okay. So hockey's a weird game. The puck bounces on all sorts of different directions. Frozen rubber and, on and, ice. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. goaltendings and outsides sure. part of it. And boy, 
Man, is there an element of luck when you look back at the previous seven postseasons with this team and six of the seven coming to an end because the Leafs lost winner-take-all games? No doubt. Mm -hmm. But I guess if you were a Leafs player, would you default to, hey, what are we going to do? Like, bad luck. We're cursed. I would hope not. That's what I say. I would hope not. When you hear that from Mitch Marner, though, it's hard not to think that that guy thinks that, right? Yeah. Like he's like like you said, I think this is the most important point that you made was Thanks. that I made a lot of them, so thank you for Is that like Mitch Marner feels like he's just a conscientious observer as to what's happening here that he he has no direct impact on the results of these hockey games or the postseason fates of this Leafs team. Like you're allowed to take over a game in the third period. You're allowed to raise your game mm -hmm. in the deciding 20 minutes of a hockey game like the team on the other side of the equation has done for the last month in winning 11 consecutive games. Like, yeah. you're allowed to do that. Well, and also, I want to point this out, and I know you're not, not saying this, but we should probably make the point that we're only saying that about Mitch because he actually stepped to the mic. Right. I mean, you copy-paste and then, quite frankly, times it by two with William Nylander, with yeah. all the conversations we've just had. Like, I wouldn't have liked what he had. There's a reason he didn't step to the mic last night. You think I would have liked easy, breezy, beautiful William Nylander with his hair flapping in the mm. wind going, ah, who cares? It's fine. Uh, I got my 11 sheets. I don't actually think he thinks that. I don't think he's unworried, but... Boy, the timing is absolutely awful. So I'm sure there are people sitting here because of the, you know, civil war and factions in the fan base and all that going, oh, I'm sorry. Did Marner not set up the goal last night that got the lease off to the start? Fair. True. Mm -hmm. All those things matter. So everything I'm saying about Will or about Mitch Marner, and I would imagine you agree with it, put it in spades on William Nylander because I ain't seen anything from mm -hmm. him lately kind of since he signed the contract as well. So it is just infuriating. And this goes back to... The conversations we've had at the end of all these seasons, whatever you want to call it, mental makeup, mentality, lack of killer instinct, whatever it is. Leon Dreisaitl, we all make fun of him because he's so pissy and he gets into it with Jim Matheson and, and it's a whole thing. We love it. But guess what? He's wired that way. That's not a show. That's how mm. he feels. It eats him up alive. And I don't think that these guys are all skipping hand in hand to the team bus going, woohoo! We get our per diem, win or lose. That's not happening. These guys want to win the game. But what would it be like if one of them had, and again, I'm going to reference it for the third time on the show today because, God, what would it mean to have that person in the room, Devon Taves, publicly calling mm. out his teammates? I'm not asking for that God. because it'd be a tire fire. I mean, I mean, please give it to me. But I don't actually think it'd be but good. But we've heard that. There, there's a leap that's done that in this, this era. His name is Jake Muzzin. Mm. Jake Muzzin was the guy that was... Oh, you mean the champion winner guy who they brought in. And then it's kind of not lost on me that once he no longer was a part of it... Buddy. Kind of filtered away, flittered away. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a sliding doors moment, and it's just one guy, and lots of teams have suffered significant injuries. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This isn't a least would, least would be multi-time cup champ if Jake Muzzin could just stay healthy. But, yeah, how can you not look at it as that? That was such a big part of that personality. And, yeah, he was brought in... To be what he was as a player, and God, what a you know, I know, I know, we do the thing we do with every hockey trade where we go, oh, but look at Sean Dursey and look at da da da. That was a great trade that that Kyle Dubas made to bring in Jake Muzzin, and it's not lost on me that this team seemed to, you know, part of it is the scar tissue adding up, part of it is more losses, part of it is those guys all getting older, but it's not lost on me that once he was removed from the equation, the little bit of that, you know, gumption, whatever you want to call it 
that this team had was lost once he, once he, again, he's not gone. Like he was hanging out with the team in LA, but guess what? Hanging out with the boys and being one of them, very, very different things. So the Leafs now a point up on uh, a wild card spot. And I guess two points up on the Penguins who are the, the first team out of the postseason picture in the Eastern conference. It's a growing narrative around Sheldon Keefe going on, uh, going into this trip. I mean, where are we? I, I was, and I know we had a clip that, that we posted on social a couple of days ago talking about um, his perhaps tender hooks mm-hmm. that he's sitting on in regards to his job security. I didn't truly believe that we were headed towards firing time because I, you know what I thought? Like so many times during regular seasons of years gone by that this team, when faced with opposition and faced with a narrative that is building, they show up, Right. When when things look like they're about to just fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. even go back to the David Ayers yeah. season that I I referenced as the last like regular season crisis point. I think immediately following that, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. in like one of their best sixty minute performances of the season. Um, and you know, this is a reason why I picked them at plus money to win the game in Edmonton yesterday. Mm-hmm. But they lose, and I do feel like it's getting more real, Brent. Like it's really like. Two more losses, and I guess it would. It's unlikely that Sheldon Keefe gets fired in the middle of a back end of back to or the middle of a back to back in Vancouver and Seattle. This road trip does kind of feel make or break for his job. Yeah, it does. Here's the question I have for you: Is do style points matter remotely? Not not in a moral victory way, but if it is a, you know it's some bad Martin Jones goals and it's a team that's playing hard. And the, and I don't think this is what's happened over the last handful of games, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen in the next handful of them. Like if it is, you know, a couple bad Martin Jones goals or they got to go to Samsonov and he just stinks. How much mm-hmm. does that color their perception or is it just straight? I mean, you can make the argument that that's, that was the case yesterday, right? They didn't yeah. get the save for sure that they needed. They played fine it's not like you got i mean my argument and i feel like you agree would be uh, go have a high danger chance on the third period That'd sure 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 i mean i, I mentioned hey is this going to be an indication as to whether this team wants to get its coach fired i don't think we're going to see that because i don't think they, they this is not well, a t- mike babcock situation so i i i, I don't think we're going to see what you talked about you know like if we saw that like clearly like get this guy out of here, right? Like if we saw this team just lay down and die, like mm. style points matter <laughs> right. then. For sure. I just don't think we're going to see that part of it. So I, I think, you know, we have enough of a sample here to indicate that there's not some underlying, oh man, this team has really been bitten by some bad goaltending and the underlying statistics would indicate that this team has actually been much better than their record would indicate. We haven't seen that over a no. large sample so if that happens in the small sample, that's not an excuse for me. Like that, we 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 know what this team is. It's not good enough. Yeah, I, I I agree with the ceiling on this team. I also think that they're going to get in the playoffs, and I think once you get in the playoffs, it's just a matter of having one or two stars show up in a hot goalie. So that's the confounding thing about this game is that I firmly believe they're going to get in the playoffs. I do like. I I will I shouldn't say I will not waver from that. Nothing I've seen to this point has made me waver from that. And I still think that, you know, I, I the one thing I will say I've come around on is the more conversations I've had about this, I do think it's more likely that Trill Living pushes that button than he does push in for a trade of some of some sense. And I think that that's probably the easiest thing for him to do. But, you know, people have told me it doesn't mean I always listen. People tell me, you know, you 
just because it's easy doesn't mean you have to do it. And just because mm. it's hard doesn't mean you can't. Mm. I don't, again, I don't always buy it, but I do think there's some element to that, that, you know, I would do it the opposite way. I would make my trade, want to get a bounce from that and then go see what, what, it, what happens after that. But it does feel like it's maybe going to go the other way of, hmm, get my, get my coach bounce, see what that does to this team between now and the deadline. And then what do we need? To me, not the way I would do it, but that is the way it's trending for me. To me, with the tepid extension given to Sheldon Keefe, which quiets, like, to a degree, the conversation surrounding the head coach, at least at the beginning of the of the season, this is always part of the potential plan, right? Like, ideally, mm-hmm. you just you you run the table game one through eighty two, and you look like an absolute force and one of the best teams in the NHL. But if yep. things don't go that way, which you can't discount the possibility, mm-hmm. if you're Bradford living at the beginning of the season, you're like, oh, well, I'll just fire the coach yep. because we only added one year to his deal. And okay, um, that's no big deal. We're mm-hmm. NLSE. We can do that. And yes, and, hope, and hope to get a bump in, in that form. So yep. I, I feel like none of, if that happens, it's not going to be something that Bradford living didn't foresee. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty pretty fair way to look at it. I also do like to look at my Leafs crystal ball, and this feels like a week of losses where we sit here and talk about how well they played, and just something didn't go right. Not mm-hmm. to not but like to, I said, not but to like, Mitch Marner. No, but, it, but like but like I said, that hasn't been the case for the majority no, 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 of the season. That has right? not been so, the case. So like even if that happens in the yeah. small sample of this road trip yeah, yeah. through Alberta and BC and mm-hmm. then into Washington, that's all well and good. We have a more than 40 game sample of uh of that not being the case that you haven't just thoroughly outplayed opponents nope. and not gotten the results. No, you just haven't got the results and you haven't outplayed people. You've been a middle of the road team and the results have been middle of the road. You've been you have the record that you should have right now. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair and I think that it's also part and parcel for, you know, it's not lost on me that the team has had two stars buoying them throughout the bulk of the season in Matthews and Nylander and now they just kind of have one. Yeah, and you do have a guy that's still on pace for nearly 70 goals this season. Yeah. Should probably um, mention that. Yeah, he has scored again yesterday. Yeah, I'll hold him. Happen- yeah. Honestly, it's like there were 17 hockey games between him scoring that goal and the end of the game, it felt like. Yep, that was a great game. All right, when we come back, uh, we are headed towards the divisional weekend, the NFL. Let's talk to Mike Tanier, NFL writer for The Messenger. As the fan morning show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, Fan Bennett is Brent Gunning, headed towards Divisional Weekend in the NFL do you think divisional weekend is like down on itself? It's like, you know, last weekend was super yeah. wild card weekend and it's just the divisional the divisional round. Well, I mean, there is, I guess the reason you would call it super is because there were games on Saturday, there were games on Sunday, and there was a, two games on Monday, I which actually, we didn't anticipate. I actually don't like that. Just to be clear, like they're saying super, that mm-hmm. to me indicates better. Mm-hmm. I would prefer my football stay on Saturday and Sundays in the playoffs. I don't like a Monday nighter. I'm, I don't. Well, um, do you? I. It's fine. I, oh, I, it I, sounds like you love it. <laughs> it's I, fine. I, I well, I don't. I don't. I don't get. I mean, you love your schedule talk. I don't get like up in arms about it. Um, and I think for the Bills, the fact that it's like not unusual, there's really no recourse for like getting upset at 
the lack of uh, rest and the the rest difference between them and the Chiefs. Although it is like it's disparate. Like it's not I get nothing. it. I get it. But yeah, the Buccaneers also playing on Monday. They go to Detroit where they have a dome. Uh, by the way, it should be noted uh, as one of the reporters um, in the Bucks uh, scrum yesterday asked about the weather in I, Detroit, which will not factor in considering they played in a dome for 50 years. I just like that that's a Florida man who's just, hey, hey, I I heard it's going to be cold. We should probably talk about it. They're going, yeah, it's in a, inside though, but I'm going to be cold. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's just a, like, I hate it being cold and I live in the cold. Can only imagine a Florida man. So I, I know you, dis, you discounted the super wild card weekend. Yeah. Like you said, like super, that's, that's stupid. Yeah. It didn't feel better. <laughs> Agree. I went into that weekend thinking, man, where's the stinker? I said this explicitly a couple of different times. Wondered aloud. And the NFL said, hold my beer, Ben. I'll yeah, give you all of it them. said uh, they're all stinkers, save for one. <laughs> and it was the game in Detroit between the Rams and Lions. This week, I mean, you just have to go by the Vegas line on the games. They're all more than six-point mm-hmm. spreads outside of the PS de resistance, which is no surprise is the Sunday nighter. Mm-hmm. Chiefs in Buffalo to play the Bills. Uh, a third matchup between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the postseason and the previous two going the mm-hmm. way of the Chiefs and Mahomes, naturally. And the last time we saw him was a couple of years ago, 13 seconds remaining. Uh, Josh Allen gives the Bills lead in which, you know, John McDermott yeah. fritters away and they lose in overtime. But the other three, I mean, anything can happen, but... I have a very different feel going into this weekend than I did for Super Wildcard Weekend, where it was it was tough for me to see mm. the game that was the the massive blow. They all were this this week. I'm like, yeah. Oh, you've been you've been ho humming the Ravens forever. You don't think well, C.J. Stroud, the the second coming, is is gonna push Lamar Jackson and the Ravens there? I'm not saying I agree with that, but you've been poo pooing them as a one seed. For I mean, three if, weeks. I, if I was going to guess as to one of the three games that are massive spreads, I would say that's the one. But mm. still, my God, like if the Ravens against a rookie quarterback being the one seed mm-hmm. with the added rest, yeah. considering their Agreed. defensive acumen. Like if they lose that game or if it's a nail biter until the end at home. Yeah. That's a, that's a nightmare scenario. I, I obviously, okay. Just quickly on that. Obviously you got to see how it plays out, but I think it's way more likely that if that game is close, I think it's way more likely I'm sitting here talking about the leader of men that is CJ Stroud as opposed to poo-pooing the Ravens. Like I'm so ready. Like again, obviously we want to see how of it, but like, I want to see how it plays out. But I'm ready Lamar to Jackson give him has all the one credit. postseason yeah. victory, though. Yeah. No, I, I I get it. Like that'll be part of it, and it'll be part of it with with Jordan Love. Like I don't expect e- e- I don't expect either of those quarterbacks to win. Um, but yeah, if I if I had to lean towards one or the other, I would say that it's yeah, CJ Stroud going into mm-hmm. Baltimore against the Ravens team, which has a very checkered postseason history. Um, all right, so I, I think I brought this up the other day mm. in talking about Josh Allen and comparing him to Dak Prescott. Okay, both That's guys mean. putting up very good regular season statistics. And one guy not exactly blowing the doors off in the postseason, but now after his victory mm-hmm. last week has an above 500 record in the postseason, Dak Prescott quite notably not. That in this sport, there seems to be a clear delineation between regular season performance and postseason performance. And this exists in other sports, but I think in baseball particularly, I look at it as, hey, just the randomness yep. of hey, a longer sample, if there was a longer postseason sample, everybody would perform pretty close to their regular season statistics. It does feel, though, they're like 
and we'll see if if things change with Lamar Jackson yep. on Saturday, that there is something tangibly different about postseason football. I don't know if it's a pressure thing, but something changes for some of these quarterbacks that they cannot replicate what they do during the regular season. Yeah, I think for me, it's a schematic thing. I think that it's just teams have more time to plan. They're able to throw more at the wall. It is not one of, you know, 17 throughout a season, but it is the one that, that matters. That's why I think you see it more often than not. And yeah, Lamar is, is certainly stubbed his toe at times, but I do uh, I do expect him to be a much better version of himself this weekend. All right, let's talk to Mike Zanier, NFL writer for The Messenger. Uh, Mike, thanks for doing this. How's it going? It's going great. You know what's different about the uh, the postseason for quarterbacks? What's that? The, the opponents are be- the opponents are better. You don't <laughs> you don't get those games where you're playing play some last place team and you get you know three touchdowns in the first half and you cruise. It, you're much much less likely to get that. And I, I think that's one of the things that that Lamar Jackson did come up against uh, earlier on in his career. So okay, then do you, do you believe that this will continue for Lamar Jackson? Is he fundamentally flawed when it comes to the postseason, bringing a one and three playoff record in into this matchup against uh, the upstarts, uh, Houston Texans and CJ Stroud? Not at all. If you look at 2020, he won a big game there and then lost in the second game. A lot of what you're looking at, the first time he lost in the playoffs was his rookie year. He was just running around in circles back then. That's kind of who he was as a rookie. And then you had a game where you know, he played he played kind of okay and it fell apart at the end, et cetera. So we're looking at some very old data with Lamar Jackson. This is a new Jackson. He's much more mature. He's in a different offense. He's learned some things from getting hurt the second half of these seasons, and he's just much better than he was in 2018. I don't think you see it. He's also facing one of the weaker playoff opponents he's ever going to face. With all due respect to the Texans and what they did last week, this is not a team anyone expected to be here. This is not a team whose roster suggests, oh, this, they match up well against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, I think everybody is looking ahead. I mean, often we're looking ahead to a Sunday nighter, but this week specifically, Bills at home to the Chiefs. It's going to be the first non-Super Bowl playoff, a road playoff game. We'll we'll see out of Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, this hasn't been uh, your your slightly older brother's Chiefs offense. Uh, it's been a little different this year. <laughs> what do you what do you make reading into or, or heading into that game, and and what's your read on it? Eyes are on the injury report for the Buffalo Bills, particularly on defense. Late in that game, guys started getting hurt against the Steelers, is what I'm saying. Uh, Terrell Bernard, linebacker, looks like he's going to be out. We're keeping an eye on Teron Johnson. Listed as a head injury, that might be concussion protocol. Often that means you got to wait a week. Rizal Douglas, another cornerback, missed that game, uh, although it looked like he could possibly be back this week. And uh, the guys I'm naming are not household names necessarily because they are the replacements for the guys who got hurt in, <laughs> in, in October and November. Yeah, the household White names already got hurt. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're looking at, well, the backups who stepped up and played well are now hurt. You've got to look out for that. So if I see a full strength or close to full strength bills defense, I think this is a pretty even matchup. If the bills are out there with like their third choice at cornerback, I don't care how bad the chiefs wide receivers are. There's going to be mismatches there. At Mahomes is going to find and they are still bad. And Rasheed Rice, you know, during the course of the regular yeah. season had a bunch of drops as well. But it did feel like a bit yeah. of a star turn last week, Mike. Like, how much does his emergence change your feeling about the Chiefs' offense? Oh, it's a big difference because now you have Kelsey and Rice. And you saw Kelsey is number one. But, like, Rice coming in at number two, you saw him being shorthanded in that game. You saw uh, you know, Mahomes care- confidently putting the ball away from the guy's body in stride. And he's plucking it in, like, negative 20 degrees. 
that's a sign that I think he's coming around that the confidence between those two are building. If you've got that like triangle passing game and you've got Pacheco running the ball and you've got a good offensive line, and the Chiefs have a good defense this year. They do have a good defense. You've got enough there to face a Bills team, which if you look at the Bills' weapons, you're in the same boat. You're like, okay, Stephon Diggs, and then they got these tight ends, and then what? So it's not that different on their side of the ball. Yeah, no, it's it's not. Uh, I do want to switch gears, look at the the NFC here. You know, obviously, uh, the the way the Ravens occupy the first seed there, it's the 49ers uh, on, on, in the NFC. And it's funny, you know, I was thinking, you know, this team feels pretty perfect now, but they had their swoon. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, no, that swoon was all the way back in October when they lost three straight to the Browns, <laughs> to the Vikings, to, to the Bengals. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect team in the NFL. There's certainly no such thing as a perfect team this year. But are they the, the closest thing we, we've got to you? Uh, to it in the NFL this year in, in the 49ers? You know, throughout the regular season, uh, Aaron Schatz, uh, you know, the founder of DVOA, the, the, the analytics, was doing historical comparisons, and the 49ers kept showing up as the fifth or sixth or third or fourth best team in the NFL, in NFL history going back to 81. They kept showing up on lists with the 2007 Patriots and the 1992 Cowboys and the greatest show on turf, whatever the great teams are. The Niners kept showing up on that. Now, when they lost to the, to the Ravens, they was like, oh, okay, they drop out of the top 10. Like you, get, you, you get your butt beat by one of the other good teams, and that, and that changes your analytic uh, uh, profile. But that's how strong this team is. And like you said, they had that early season, mid-season swoon. That's when they had McCaffrey hurt for a while. Trent Williams on the line was hurt. I think Debo was hurt for part of that. So, yeah, the, the, the formula for beating the 49ers is, is hope they're injured. Uh, and, and they're not injured. <laughs> McCaffrey not just yet. returned to practice. Uh, yeah, he, it didn't sound that serious. It sounded like they were resting him, frankly, and now he's back. And this is a fully healthy team. They're not really vulnerable, vulnerable to anyone except, I would say, the Ravens or if the Bills come in, you know, breathing fire in the Super Bowl. Until then, the only thing that can stop the 49ers is themselves. Yeah, they, they have been uh, followed by a black cloud of injury luck when it comes to the postseason and going all the I mean, going mm-hmm. back to last season in the postseason uh, in the NFC championship game against the Eagles and uh, having no quarterbacks uh, at their disposal uh, wasn't yeah. ideal. But yeah, fully healthy Niners yeah. is hard to bet against them. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the coaching carousel and the most interesting uh, bushel of names that have maybe ever existed as available options for teams this offseason. And specifically, Bill Belichick. I don't know when teams started doing this. This feels like the first offseason where there's like an announcement of the, 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 the candidates that have interviewed. There's even like social mm-hmm. media videos that accompany these things. Weird. Um, Bill Belichick yes. is interviewed with the Falcons. We're still waiting for a potential fallout in Dallas. What's the most interesting um, narrative spot for Bill Belichick to, to land this offseason? <laughs> Well, I like that you say the most interesting narrative spot. Well, it's the Cowboys. That's the most interesting yeah, narrative combination I can think of in the NFL. Of course, there's a lot of balls that have to drop, starting with uh, Jerry Jones making a decision to get rid of McCarthy along the way before we can even talk about that. And in the short term, the Falcons are playing a heavy hand on Belichick. They're, they're, they're interviewing. Uh, they're very publicly interviewing. Like you said, there's been like phone calls and something a little bit more formal along the way. And they're a team, you know, that can get it done in a couple of levels. You know, Arthur Blank has a pretty good reputation as an owner in terms of saying, you know, you're going to get a lot of money, you're going to get a lot of control. Uh, it's a roster, if you take away the quarterback, that's really, really good. And it's the kind of roster where, uh, you know, Bill Belichick can look at this and say, hey, get me Kirk Cousins and, and I can win, you know, 11 games. Get me, get me somebody like that. Uh, you know, so there's a, a lot of ways that fits. 
I don't think we've heard the last of these other teams, though. Again, we're waiting on the Cowboys. Um, I will be shocked if the Commanders never make a, 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 an inquiry, but it sounds like they're going in a different direction. And we'll see if the Chargers play their hand. Although the, the Chargers sound like they have decided that they're going to get left at the altar by Jim Harbaugh. And good, good for them that they've actually decided to be the, the other guy in a romantic comedy. Good, good work, Chargers. <laughs> if you were a fan of one of these franchises that needed a head coach, who would you be most excited about? I mean, like, obviously, Bill Belichick is the, 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 the greatest coach in the, the history of the sport. But, yeah, he's aged now. He's, what, yeah. 71? Uh, you got Mike Vrabel yeah. out there who was the surprise uh, entrant into uh, this offseason um, uh, candidates list. You got the aforementioned Jim Harbaugh, who's been to a Super Bowl with the Niners. You got Pete Carroll as well. I mean, if you don't care about age, who's out there as well? Uh, <laughs> another Hall of Famer. Like, if you were a fan of a team and you needed a head coach, who would you feel most uh, most good about acquiring? Well, I, I think most fans would be of two minds about Bill Belichick. Uh, they would say, oh, my God, the greatest coach of all time. And, oh, my God, look at the Patriots in the last couple of years. What are we getting ourselves into with this guy who might have let the game pass him by and might be a little too set in his ways. If, if my franchise needed to start over from scratch, if it was like the Washington Commanders, like we need to start from scratch, I would look at it because you would think at the very least he would leave behind a base of operations that the next guy could work with. But, you know, there's a lot of, like, popular candidates out there. One is offensive coordinator Ben Johnson of the Detroit Lions, who, you know, got that Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown and a bunch of people you never think of. And that team is out there in the playoffs, and they have a pretty creative system. That's one guy I would look at. Um, the Houston Texans, Bobby Slowick, uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, okay, so let's, let's imagine C.J. Stroud came in this amazing, and, and that Slowick didn't have to develop him. Okay, let's talk about Nico Collins and Noah Brown and, and this receiving core that has developed around C.J. Stroud. I would want that guy. Uh, but you're right, we can't overlook Vrabel as well. You know, Vrabel had almost no talent to work with this season, and I think it, it was more of a backroom political deal that had him lose his job so quickly after one really bad season. He's somebody who could give you a lot of the things that Belichick gives you while still being a little more youthful, a little more energetic, a little more willing to grab an offensive coordinator that's not one of his old buddies and say, hey, you go out there, you find me the quarterback, and you get him developed rather than trying to do everything himself. Uh, Mike, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. You got it. Take care. Enjoy your week, guys. Yeah, you too. Mike Tanier, NFL writer for The Messenger. I, I love Mike, but he just made me sad at the end there. I'd, I, I had mentally made my peace with the Patriots uh, just taking uh, in, in-house hire uh, Gerard Mayo, and now I'm sad again that they didn't go get Mike Vrabel because he feels like the best of both worlds. It's like you get the Patriots DNA, the Patriot way, the Belichick stuff, but he's like he's been on the outside. He's seen the light. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's like outside of the org as well. Well, and if Bill Belichick is the culture guy and changing the culture, you get that with Mike Vrabel, but you also get a guy yeah. who is not 71 years old, no. right? Like that's a guy that you can see being with your franchise for the next decade. Like it, I I think it depends on where you are in mm. your in your franchise development. Like yep. the Cowboys are ready to win today. Like they should be. Yep. My goodness, another eleven win season. Like they 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 should be ready to uh-huh. win. And for whatever reason, they've stubbed their toe. I mean, we know the reason, and it's been mostly uh, Dak Prescott yeah, uh, and the turnovers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that team needs a like win now mm-hmm. guy. And I think Bill Belichick fits that mold. If you are like I don't know. Vrabel does too, though. Look at the teams sure, he's won with. Sure. I mean, but what Bill Belichick isn't is the guy that's like, okay, we're not quite ready to right. win now, right? Like. Yep. Okay, so Vrabel can do both. Yeah, he would have been my guy. 
This Falcons-Belichick thing is... I hate it. It's disgusting, quite <laughs> okay, frankly. So we, t- we talked to Peter King about it yesterday, and I like interjected while you were asking yeah, the Belichick you thing. you had the guts to say what I wanted to. It is beneath him. It's beneath his brand. Um, they and- should have to... No new school-looking Atlanta Falcons. Only, like... Only 1998 Dirty Bird uniforms for them. He can't be wearing these, like, gradient red or whatever's going on. No, it's beneath him. We haven't, I mean. I hate it. We haven't seen anybody else um, indicate that they've in, uh, they've interviewed Bill Belichick yet, have we? Uh, no, I know the Falcons have mentioned several coaches yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No. So nobody said explicitly, we've also talked to Bill Belichick. No. So Bill Belichick's. Arguably the greatest head coach in the history of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. and, and, and and pretty soon he will have the numbers to back it up to be the all-time winningest head coach in NFL history. Falcons have interviewed him, mm-hmm. which is a little bit bizarre on its surface anyways, right? Like, what do you, like, you're, oh, hey, Bill, are you, are you man enough to be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? I'm not exactly sure what that is, but like, okay. <laughs> Every, else- everybody has to interview for the job, I guess. Even if you're Bill Belichick. Uh, oh, you think this should be like he's a leading man in Hollywood, and it's well, like you don't. I don't interview. You offer me. Well, okay. So this is that's interesting. It, it feels below his brand to even be associated with the Falcons. But what happens if like they go in another direction? If you've interviewed with the freaking oh, then, Atlanta no, Falcons, no, no, no. If you're Belichick, he still, has to get an offer. Belichick still has enough friends in the game that it just gets leaked that the conversations there were that actually Arthur Blank didn't want to didn't want to give him full autonomy and yada yada. Like that's where it goes. It it won't be the Falcons didn't want him. Even if that's the truth, that's yeah. not the story we will get told to us. It'll be about the politics or the machinations of it or how much control he'll have. I think that's the way it'll be messaged. I'm not saying that what you're laying out can't happen. Yeah. I just don't think it'll ever actually be messaged that way, even if you're the Falcons. Because if the next hire, like let's say they do want to go in a different direction, and it's Harbaugh. If that doesn't work and you were seen to say no thanks to Bill Belichick, you want to be careful about how you message that as well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, if you're the Atlanta Falcons and and Bill Belichick is open to the idea of being your head coach, you say, Bill Belichick, you're our next head coach and here's here's a, a truck full of cash to do so. You want to be the mayor while you're here <laughs> as well? Yeah, there really shouldn't be much standing in the way. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local Raptors back in action, trying to snap a four-game losing streak. It doesn't get any easier tonight as they welcome Kyle Lowry and the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat to town. The spread is Miami minus two and a half. Uh, the total two twenty-seven and a half. Brand. I'm gonna give you something crazy. Mm-hmm. Raptors straight up on the money line. They're due. They Mm. should have beat the Celtics if they had any shots drop in that game or at least should have been way, way closer. Uh, Celtics, last I checked, better team than the Heat. It's been going bad for this Raptors team. They're due. They had a good performance. Shots will fall tonight. Give me wraps straight up on the money line, plus 105. I don't necessarily disagree, uh, but I feel a little more comfortable taking the under 227.5. The Heat, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and the Raptors have been one of the most porous Mm -hmm. defensive teams. Uh, But, I mean, they showed me something against the Celtics, right? Like, that was the step forward for that team. If you were going to talk about moral victories, they actually... You know, it didn't look like a total sieve against the Celtics, and maybe they continue that uh, against another top team in the Eastern Conference. Wednesday night, hockey on Sportsnet. Devils hosting the Montreal Canadiens, and it is the Devils 
Heavy favorites at home, minus 222. Montreal plus 180, the total six and a half in this one. I think I'm just going to go to the total. I'm going to take the under there. Uh, Montreal gets better goaltending than you'd think. They struggle to score, and the Devils, it feels like they're either going to score five in a game or they're going to score zero the way they've been going this year. So uh, give me the under at six and a half there. Don't love the money line for either side, obviously, and uh, don't feel comfortable with the spread. So under six and a half. I feel comfortable with the spread. Against the Montreal Canadiens team that handed uh, the San Jose Sharks their first win in forever. Mm. So, uh, yeah, give me the Devils minus a goal and a half at plus 115 in that hockey game. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Leafs, losers of four consecutive hockey games, blowing leads in all of those hockey games. The advanced stats put them in the middle of the pack. What, what, what are the stats that, that make this season look better than what we've seen in the standings? Maybe Mike Kelly has a few of those. Uh, he of NHL.com joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.